0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Today I want to talk to you about something that I'm telling you, it is the most important thing in Scripture, and that is salvation. I'm talking to you about salvation today, and you think, well, I've heard salvation. I I know about salvation, yeah, I I get salvation. Yeah, Jason, you give a salvation call every, but out of these two verses we're looking at today, I want to talk to you about what, why was Paul telling this church about salvation? What was he wanting to get in their hearts and get in their spirits, and what is he wanting to speak to us today about? Because salvation is the theme of the whole of the Bible. You may disagree with me, and I've heard people disagree with me, but as you read it, it is the theme of the whole of the Bible. And that theme started with God revealing in the Old Testament and giving His law that you can't make it, you can't measure up, you'll always fall short. And then mankind finally comes to the end and they said, okay then, what do we do? And then He begins promising a coming solution that's to come. And he's, He begins to show them you can't earn your salvation. You can't, you can't do anything to please God in, in a way that would, that would cause you to be saved or cause you to be, to, to be close to him because we are all stained with sin. And he reveals that's the whole purpose of the law. Re, as you read in Romans, the whole purpose of the law is to reveal to you that you can't do it on your own. And so then from the Old Testament, he begins painting a, a picture of hope to the New Testament, and then when we read in the New Testament, we read that Jesus is the promised solution to die in our place and to give us the freedom we all desperately need, and this is what Paul is talking about today. And I'm really enjoying as we walk through this, and many times we do topical messages, and and this is going to be great as we just walk through the book of Ephesians. And for us, this idea as a church, this idea of salvation, it is a big deal. We have four purposes here. At our church, to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and to make a difference. And you will never find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference until you first know God. Everything else in your life flows out of this relationship that you have with God. And no one can have a relationship with God unless you are saved through His Son, Jesus Christ, and reconciled back to God. So the first one is you need to know God. And that's what we're talking about today. But here's this idea with salvation for many of us that grew up in a church, and me, myself, who grew up in a, in, a, in a church, is this so many of us in our minds struggle with this idea, am I really saved? Am I really secure? Is everything really going to be all right? Did this really take? Or we struggle with this idea that you're either in God, in Christ, or out of Christ. You have a bad thought, then it's like you spin your, you jump over, I'm out of Christ. Then you, then you repent, oh, I'm back in Christ. You make a, you, you stumble and you sin, I'm not saved anymore. And then you repent, now I'm saved again. And this thought is that if, if I die, when I'm, when I, if I've made a mistake, then I'm going to go to hell. But then if I repented, got in back to Christ and then died, then I'm going to go to heaven. And we live this life of total insecurity about our position of our salvation. I guarantee you, if I was to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm not today, that many of you would say, yeah, all of us have, have had those thoughts at some time. Am I really saved? And Paul wants to talk to them about what's happened and wants to talk to us about what's happened in their lives and what God wants to reveal to them. And So this is important for us to understand as a church today. And so I want to look at these two verses today. And help us, and help God understand that we're secure, that we're saved, if, if we follow the model in Ephesians chapter 1. So let's read Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verses 13 and 14. It says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. And we'll talk about that today. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. To the praise of His glory. So as we walk through this verse today, the first thing is this. That all of us need to understand as we are walking in our salvation and also a part of of helping others get saved. Because God has entrusted us with this message of the gospel is this. In order to be saved, you must, number one, you must hear the word of God. You must hear it. it it's something that God in his, in his vast wisdom and simplicity, think about this, has reduced, he has reduced the, the answer to the problems in the world and to, your, to the salvation. He has reduced what he had planned of from the very beginning of, of time, from the foundations of the earth. He has reduced that message down to words being formed out of a human's mouth by their tongue, air, vocal cords closing together, and the forming of little syllables. That's bizarre to me. But that's what he did. And he reduced it down to the words that we read and can articulate with our mouths, that they mean something to us. And so this whole idea of this, of, this, of that we must hear the word of God, is, and as it says here in the, in, in the verse right after this says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. So here's, here's, here's something to understand. There has never been a person who has ever Become a Christian who did not first hear the word of God. You might, you, might, you might say, well, no, Jason, I heard a story one time. Listen, that's you can send me an email, but I'm telling you, it hasn't happened. You might have read it. You might have had it preached to you. You might have had it taught to you. Someone might have witnessed to you. God may have given you a vision, but salvation comes from hearing the Word and hearing what God has made available through His Son Jesus Christ. That's where salvation comes. And we live in a world that says, if you, you know, if, if if they believe in God, lots of atheists, that there there may be, they say that there's many ways to God. Just pick your own pathways. All roads lead to God, and that's what people will say. But here's, here's the problem with that: it's not true. All roads don't lead to God. And many think today, and even some Christians think today, if you just want to go another path, as long as you're searching, as long as you're looking, as long as your hearts are open, you can find God through living in a tree and smoking weed all day, as long as you're looking. You can find God through, the, through, through an Islam path. You can find God through a Buddhist path. You can find God through whatever path you want. You can find God. If, if you're a Jew, you, can, you see, you're okay. You're, you found God. But Jesus said this, that if you reject me, he was speaking of me, you reject the Father. That's what he said. I, I cannot make Jesus not say what Jesus said. I'm too scared. <laughs> I would, much face, I would much face the disapproval of man all stinking day long than face the disapproval of my God and Savior Jesus Christ. There is only one way. And so maybe some people in our world today say, listen, if you want to make your own trail to God, you can build your own path to God. You just sit down, close your eyes, meditate a bit and whoever and whatever you want God to be, maybe even yourself, it's going to be okay. The problem with that philosophy is, it's a lie. It's not true. The Bible doesn't say that. No one can ever be saved by thinking up their own way to be saved. The pathway to salvation begins when you hear the word, the truth of who God is. And this word tells you how to be saved. This, the Word of God that you hold in your life, and it's such a precious part of my life, tells us how you can be saved. That's the whole purpose, actually, of, of that's, that's, when I preach, I, I recognize that, that it's the Word of God that moves hearts. It's the Word of God that pierces the heart. I have three purposes when I preach, and I think, and, and after I tell you these, you don't have to come to church ever again, because you're going to know what I'm doing every Sunday, is this. I preach the word, one, to exalt the Savior. That's why I do it. He is worthy to be exalted, and the word always points to the Savior, and the Savior always points to the Father. Two, I preach the word to convict the sinner. The word exists to convict the sinner. And three, the word exists to promote holiness in believers. Those three things. If we can nail those three every Sunday, every time I communicate, that means a lot to me. I want to, I, I want to exalt the Savior. I, I want the words to convict a sinner. And I want the words to, to promote holiness in us as a family. So that's why the word is important. Second, second thing, and how we are saved is number two, you need to believe what you have heard. You need to believe what you've heard. Paul is writing here, and he says, This, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you what? Believed. So you have to believe and what you've heard. So what have you heard from, from, from the word? It's what's called the gospel. It's what's called the gospel or the power of God for your salvation. It's, it's, it is, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. In other words, somebody shares it with you the word and then you believe it, you accept the gospel and what does the word gospel mean? Again, it means good news. So here's, here's what we gotta understand about why it's called good news. In order to have good news, It can't be good news unless you have some bad news to put against it. Because then it's not good news, it's just news. But once you say, the bad news is this, is that every person on the planet was born a sinner. And you and I deserve death and hell and punishment for our sin and eternal separation from God from all of eternity because of your sin. Like Romans 6:33 says the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. But then the then the scripture goes on out of Romans 6 and it goes on to say this. But it says but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the good news. That's it. The gospel of Jesus Christ. We're committed as a church here of the elders and leaders and pastors to to keep the gospel the center of everything we do. And that is always good news. Amen? The Bible is full of life. It's full of truth. And we want to proclaim it as actual good news. So uh, number three, what must I do to be saved? And number three, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. And I will explain this because I know many of your minds are already going to somewhere. And that's not where I'm going. That's not where the Word of God goes at this moment. Scripture says this. It continues in the same passage, 13 and 14. Chapter 1, 13 and 14. I'll read the whole thing. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message, first point, the gospel of your your salvation. When you believed, second point, you were marked in him with a seal. That's the third. This is the third one. The promised Holy Spirit. So in order to be saved, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Our salvation is important. It's not just about believing, though it's a part of it. It's an absolute part of it. You need to embrace and receive the Holy Spirit. You need to make it a part of your life. It's more than just believing. Matter of fact, James says in 2.19, he says, You believe that there's one God. He's speaking to some people. Good. Even the demons believe in that. And they shudder. So it's more than just belief. It's more than just belief. The Bible says in John 1, 12, to all who receive him, which means it's more than just believing. To all those who receive him, Jesus Christ, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And here you have there's a receiving and a believing. What's really cool about this whole word, believe, is that actually, in the original language that the New Testament is written, which is in Greek, and I don't always go into this, but as you walk through a book, it's kind of neat to to show that the Bible is just life that keeps giving. But this word, believe, actually has the same root word as drink. So it's just not about believing. It's about also drinking. Drinking. In our English words, there's, we, there's no connection between believe and drink. So when the Bible says you, need, you, you should believe something, it doesn't mean a, a simple mental thing. Well, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. It means to believe it, to trust it, to accept it, to make a part of your life. That's what it means. It means to fully embrace it, to fully allow it to be a part of you. And so, you know, one of the things I heard one time, he says, many people are going to miss heaven by about 18 inches. You think, what are you talking about? And they said this, 18 inches is the distance between your brain and your heart. You know it, but do you really receive it? You know it, but do you receive it? In John 7, which I talked a little bit about last week, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes, is this word, believes again. I mean, this word believe, which also is connected with drink in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. There's a difference between believing and then receiving what you believe, receiving the Holy Spirit, which will come to you once you fully believe. It's just like this water bottle right here. Now, you can say, I I believe that's water. Yep, I believe that's, yeah, I believe it. It's clear. I believe it's water. And you might be sitting there today and think, man, I'm really thirsty right now. And even as I'm talking about it, you're getting thirstier, but that's okay. Okay. Your mouth might be, your, your tongue might be stuck to the roof of your mouth. You're your, your your thirsty, your lips are cracked and their, their, their skin is falling off of them. Your tongue is, is crusty and you'll say, I believe that's water, I believe that's water. But there's, you lack one thing, you haven't drank it yet. You can believe it, you can accept it, but you've got to receive it. You've got to make it a part of who you are. And that's what Paul is saying. You got to take, you you just don't say, I I believe. No, no. What Paul is saying, you need to receive it. You need to apply it to your life. You just don't don't smell it. You you need to drink it. Just. Excuse me, I need to use the restroom real quick. You got to get it in you. It's a part of, of what you are to do. You need to receive it. Apply it to your life. Get it inside of you. That's what Paul is talking about. It's not until you drink it, until it becomes a part of you, a part of who you are, that you truly believed. And that's really what the word believe means. It's not a mental exercise It's a choice of your will. I'm going to apply this to my life. So when you become a Christian, when you hear the word of God, when you believe the gospel, when you receive the spirit of God, that's what salvation is. It's simple, but it's incredibly powerful. And then you believe, you receive, you drink, and then something happens, and the Holy Spirit confirms the work in your life, and the Holy Spirit seals the deal. Seals the deal. Marks you. And the Holy Spirit is a very significant part of salvation. We talk a lot about what the Father did. and That's important. We talk a lot about what the Son did. That's important. But there's this other piece. There is the Holy Spirit that's involved. This is the idea of the Trinity. There's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They all are, they all are focusing <clears throat> towards one direction. They all have the same heart. We do do not believe in in three gods as a Christian. We believe in one God. But there are different attributes of God, and that's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just like I, I am a father, I am a son also, I'm also an uncle, I'm also a cousin. There are different ways and manifestations of me. There is one God with three functions, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk to you about the work of the Holy Spirit in your salvation. And what I'm going to talk to you about is certainly it is not an exhaustive ministry of the Holy Spirit. So I know some of you who are very, you know, in each one of, each one of us, some things are very important about the Holy Spirit, and as they should be. But this is not an exhaustive thing that I'm talking about today. I know He convicts sinners. I know the whole, he, he, he empowers Christians. I know that He gives gifts to the saints for you to function, as we see in 1 Corinthians. I believe in all of that. What I'm talking about this morning, the Holy Spirit in relation to salvation. And I just want you to hear this very quickly. The work of the Holy Spirit, one, He is a seal on your life. And that's number one. I want you to write that down there. In salvation, the Holy Spirit is a seal. It's a seal on you. You guys with me today? all right okay i know it's a little different than how i normally teach but this this is really good for us to understand this the holy spirit is a seal and so what's the seal for what does that mean it's not talking about a a sea world seal that's on you i'm talking about there's something different here there's a seal and the seal has a function and scripture lays out what that function is. I, I want to share with you what that is. The type of seal that is on your life because you have heard the word, because you believed it, and because you received it is number one, it is a seal of ownership on your life. It's a seal of ownership. And this happened back in Bible days all the time. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 32, he, he goes out to buy a field. And, and, he, and he doesn't sign a contract, he seals it with his seal. He says, I own this, I own this piece of land. The Bible says as a child of God, the Holy Spirit is marked, has been marked by God that says this, owned by God. That's what the mark is, that's what the seal is on your life. It's much like on the farms I grew up, you, you put a brand on cows and they scream while you're doing it and they, you let them go. Why? So that you know that cow belongs to farmer so-and-so. That's what it means. It's a mark of ownership. And you may not have a physical brand on your, on your body that says, Jesus, there's not something on your forehead that says belong by God. But I'll tell you this, you have a brand on your soul that the Holy Spirit has said, this one belongs to God. That's important for you to understand. This one is a child of God. And why? Because if you mess with this one, listen, you're going to have to mess with their dad. And just so you know, their dad's the father of the universe. That's what this means. Secondly, the seal of the Holy Spirit, it's a, yes, the a seal of, of ownership. Secondly, it's the seal of authenticity. It's a seal of authenticity that simply says this they're, it, they're the real deal. So if you can't spell authenticity, you can just write real deal on that. It's no, no problem. <laughs> it's a seal that says you're the real deal, you're, you're a real Christian. And the Holy Spirit is the mark on your life that tells the world this one. There's something different about this one. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. It just means there's something different about your life than others who don't know God. So that seal of authenticity for your life is for those... It, it, sorry, it's, 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 it's something that you, you're different than the world. I, th- I think we're in a dangerous place when Christians don't, Christians don't look any different than the world. I think if you're here today and, and, and your life doesn't look any different than people who don't know God, don't go to church, I think you should look deeply into your heart. The seal of authenticity, you are different. You're the real deal. And that's the Holy Spirit in and on your life. When you have the seal of authenticity, you don't blend in. You stand out. And you don't even have to try. People say things like, there's just something different about you. There's just something, I don't know, what is it about you that there's just, I, I, I can't explain. What is it? Why do you do things the way you do? I, when I'm around you, I feel peace. I, wait, what is that? That is the mark of the Holy Spirit on your life that says you're the real deal. And so when someone says, what is there, what is it about your life? You can look them straight in the eye and say, it's because I'm the real deal, baby. You just tell them, I'm the real deal. And the other side of thing of this, of authenticity, it means this. When when life squeezes you, what, what is inside is what comes out. And what comes out is something that demonstrates and is reflective of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Again, you don't have a stamp on your forehead that says the seal of authenticity, but your life exudes what you were made of. This is the true work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's a seal of authenticity. Another meaning of the seal of the Holy Spirit is number three, it's a seal of security for your life. In the Bible, kings used to use their seal to to put a protection over something. They didn't want anyone else to touch it. They put their seal on it. In Esther, chapter 8, Esther talks about a time when King Xerxes made a decree, and the Bible says that when King Xerxes made this decree, he stamped it and put a seal on it, and that seal was not to be broken. And so we we have this this passage right here says, now... Now, write another decree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews, as as seems best to you, and seal it with the king's signet ring. Now, this is for you, this last statement, is what this means of the seal of security for you. This is is a way of doing it, and this is why Paul used it, because they understood this. So, if you are saved, if you have believed... You've heard, you believed, you received, this is for you. For no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. Which means this when God seals you with his Holy Spirit, nothing, no document, nothing can revoke it. You are saved, you're secure. That's what it means. You are absolutely secure. Another instance where this was made to seal and to secure something is when Jesus was buried. It says that they sealed the tomb. They sealed it. They, pro- they probably ran some, some, some thread and some cords, cords and they sealed it with a, with a wax um, signet or some type of seal that, that says, Listen, if you break this seal, you have to deal an answer to the Roman Empire. It was a big deal. Don't open it. But that seal didn't last. And the first Easter morning, the angel came and he broke that seal. He flicked the little three-ton stone just away, just just flicked it away, and, and, and he broke the seal of an earthly king. But here's the reality. Earthly king seals can be broken, and they have been. But when God puts a stamp on you, when God puts a seal on you, this seal cannot and is not ever broken. It is a seal of security. There is nothing in heaven, there is nothing on earth that can ever break the seal. That's why, that's why I believe that once you are truly born again, you will never lose your salvation. How many are thankful for that? I'm thankful for that. John says this in chapter 10, he says this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. Amen. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. In other words, it ain't going to happen. Amen. And the, and the security of salvation is not based on, on you, your power, your strength, your goodness. It's based upon God's character and his authority. That's what Paul wants us to hear today. That's what the word of God wants us to hear today. Is that it's not about you. I don't, Jason, I don't feel saved. Here's the deal. If your salvation was based on, on, on your feelings, most of us would not be Christians until after our second cup of coffee in the morning cuz I, I, you know i mean really you can't base it on, on feelings you got to base it on truth your your salvation is based on god it's not based on you it's not based on what, what what you feel He's the one that keeps you going. He's the one that purchased your salvation. He's the one that's living in you. And this word seal means the Holy Spirit has said you belong to God. You are authentic and you are the real deal and you have eternal security. Lastly, the Holy Spirit is this. It is a seal of guarantee. A seal of guarantee. Ephesians 3.14 says this. The Holy Spirit is a deposit guarantee. Guaranteeing. Guaranteeing what? Guaranteeing that God will be true to His Word. This means the Holy Spirit, actually, the, the, the full understanding is like a down payment of what life is going to be like for all of eternity. It's like you've already, you've already been, the deposit of the Holy Spirit has already been placed in you. In other words, you are going This is the deposit you're you're, you're, you're paid for, you're you're selected, you've you've been set aside for eternity already. And it's it's God saying this, I I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. I've put this deposit in you. Philippians 1 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. That's, That's what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit lives lives in us today to let us know what it's going to be like in heaven. Some of you are saying, well, that's nice, and that's so impersonal, it's so commercial, a a down payment. I really want something that can assure me of God's love for me. Well, let let me tell you the the other understanding of this word. And it's the same word, and you can interchange them. It's the same word that's used today in Bible times for, for an engagement ring. Is that deposit, that guarantee. It means I want to marry you. And for some of us men, it's a little difficult for this to understand that. But I want you to hear this. I want to have a relationship with you. as God saying, as a sign that I want to marry you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And I'm giving you an engagement ring. I'm giving you a deposit. I'm giving you a guarantee that I will fulfill what I promised I would do. The Bible says this right now, that you are engaged to the Lord Jesus Christ. One day when Jesus comes back and we go to heaven, the book of Revelation talks about a marriage feast of the Lamb. One day the church, the bride of Christ, is going to be united with Christ. And that amazing, heavenly, mystical marriage right now, the Holy Spirit is the engagement ring. And he's living inside of those who have given their lives to God. He said, I, I, I am committed. I never break a promise. And if you've if you've believed, if you've, if you've heard, if you've believed, if you've received, he slipped a ring on your finger and he said this, I will complete my work in you. I don't care what go ups or downs you go through, what trials you face on this earth. One day we're going to sit at the table and you're going to come to that table, not, not because of who you are, but because I promised you I'd get you here. That's important to know. And I really believe most people today in the walk of Christ wrestle with this idea that you're really saved. Did God really mean that? Did I really believe it? And they've lived their whole lives thinking everything has to do with your performance. But God wants you to know today, my friends, that you are because of Because that, again, because that you've heard, you believed, you received. Because the seal of the Holy Spirit on your life that you are signed, you are sealed, and one day you're going to be delivered. Completely and wholeheartedly delivered. No more sickness, no more tears, no more pain, no more temptation, no more struggle, nothing. You're going to be delivered and God's going to say, I told you I'd get you here. the Holy Spirit has set up shop in your soul to prove to you that God's faithful. That's what this whole idea of your salvation is about. And that's the beauty of the goodness of God, and the simple idea of salvation and receiving the Holy Spirit. God just wants you to know, stop worrying, you are secure. Put an engagement ring on your finger, and we're going to have a wedding one day soon. Whether you leave this earth out of death, or I come back, it doesn't matter. If you're absent with your body, you're present with me. When it's time for the marriage supper of the Lamb out of the revelations, your seat's are already reserved. It's yours. And you're going to sit with me at the head table, and that's what Jesus is saying to you today. Let's all bow our heads for a moment. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.